on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded blessing, life forevermore. Um, this is such a joyful season for us. I'm going to actually read my friend Brian's. I'm going to read his church email. We, we all subscribe to each other's church emails. But his church email this week was so good. I was going to paraphrase it for the sermon tomorrow, but I'm just going to read the whole thing. But he, we talk about, this isn't in what we're going to talk about, but I just want to share it really quick because I won't share it tomorrow. We talk about church liturgical calendar here and seasons that we're in. We're in an incredibly joyous season right now called Eastertide. And Eastertide is the time between Easter and Pentecost. And it is the time when we are constantly celebrating He is risen. You guys caught up. It's good. We got it. We're getting there. It's good. Um, but the idea is that every Sunday between now and Pentecost is like a mini Easter. It is to be full of joy and festival and feasting and having this. And of course, we build that into our normal cycle of life here. And with you guys and with the outpost. But Brian really captured, and what he captured in his email that I'll read tomorrow is that sometimes we can just have our hope so fixed on when we're all dead. The hope of heaven, the promise of eternal life, being reunited with God. And, and we talk here all the time about all of Christ for all of life, building the kingdom of God here and now, being instrumental in taking what we believe into the world, and, and it impacts our politics, and it impacts our businesses, and it impacts our family. It's all of Christ for all of life. And Brian's point was, we should always keep our eyes fixed here. We have, we have the hope and the guarantee of eternal salvation with God, but we have really beautiful, incredible things right here. So many beautiful and incredible things right here. I, we had Tristan's friend was over, and his mom was hanging out with us for a bit this afternoon. We were just shooting the breeze because, you know, it's hard to leave our house because we talk to you guys, and we love, we love talking to all of you. And it, I was thinking about things like art. I was interested in art before three years ago. I wasn't interested in the real beauty and the deliciousness of food until, because that was kind of that pivot point for me when, when God kind of realigned my priorities in my heart. And now it's just there's beauty everywhere. And there's beauty and simplicity. And so I think, and I hope, it's constant for us year-round, but especially in Eastertide, is that this is a time to really see and remember how beautiful the world is. And it happens to be a season change where we get to visualize that anyways, right? Uh, Tristan found the first of my smuggled tulips. If you bring tulips back from Amsterdam without the stamp, the tax stamp, um, they're seizable by customs. I'm making sure it was on. I'm not gonna, I'm cutting that part out. The government's already listening to us on our phones and the helicopter above our house. <laughs> it's here every outpost. I wouldn't worry about it at all. Um, but purple tulip blossoming in, in the front yard. We're at a season change right now where we get to see God's beauty kind of front and center. And so, I pray that this is a time for all of us that that is a, a, a reminder. So. Yeah. Good evening. Good evening. It's working. It really is good to see everybody. I should have said it earlier, but I'll say it now. Thank you all for such an incredible Holy Week. It was, it was such a meaningful and deep week to spend it together as a church family. I mean, it was just, all of it was great. And um, getting to to worship the risen Christ with all of you as our first Holy Week, our first Easter. That is, that is a time that will not, that will not perish from, the, from my memory. Um, just doing life with all of you guys is actually a really special, special thing for us. We were with, well, it was, it was our friends last night, the elder at my buddy's church. He's like, how is it going? I was like, we get to spend every weekend with the people we love the most. Like, really? here and then tomorrow and 
we've had church experiences where we weren't, where it was difficult. It was difficult to get in the car and drive. You know, we were square, we, we were square pegs in their round holes, if you will. And it's not that way here at Christ Church. So we're, we're just really grateful for that. And last week was, was, was a deep and meaningful and wonderful week to spend it with you all. So I'm really grateful. So now we rejoin our study of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which we, we took a little break for when we were speaking about Holy Week things. And so we're going to continue with paragraph 7. So we're in chapter 1. We're just on paragraph 7. And if you remember thus far, or for those that you haven't been here, chapter 1 of the Westminster Confession of Faith is describing Scripture. What is God's Word? What books contain it? Why is it God's Word? What is the sufficiency of it? And so chapter 7 says, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or other that not only the learned, but the unlearned, in a due use of the ordinary means, may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. Chapter 1, paragraph 7. Okay. Did you say chapter 7? Did I say chapter 7? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm no, tired. No, sorry. I, I, chapter I, I, 1, paragraph 7. Yeah, okay. we have not made it through seven chapters. Like, wow. so, so, kind of the... the uh, this is in the Westminster Confession of Faith, so it's not in your Bible. It's uh, the, the historic confession of faith for our church. So the, the big idea of this section, what we just read, the big idea is that Scripture is clearly expressed and easily understood. Now, I don't want you to mistake easily understood for lacking depth, for being shallow, because we know it's not that. Scripture is anything but shallow. There are parts that take deeper study than others. The book of Revelation is, is a really good example of something like that. So what does it mean that Scripture is easily understood? Well, what it means is that anything that anybody needs to know... Oh, that's awesome. Anything that anybody needs to know about salvation is clearly propounded in Scripture. It is easily accessible to all folks. Hi, guys. Come on in. And so... You have to think about the history. You have to have to think about the history of the Reformation. You want to get her some cheese? You have to think about the history of the Protestant Reformation to really appreciate and understand some of these things too, and why these had to be said. Because the point is, even if you don't understand the deepest imagery, like in something like see, Larry James, in in Revelation, even if you didn't understand that, it doesn't ma- mean that you don't understand the basic formula for your salvation, right? Maybe you don't understand all of the allegory that, that, that is in that particular book. That, that doesn't change the access and the ease of the understanding of the formula for salvation. But the reason this had to be, to be written in the first place was that the Roman Catholic Church had bastardized this notion that, that individuals could understand Scripture, that, that, that they could just have access to God's Word and understand what the formula was for their salvation. Instead, what did they say? They said, no, no, you need, you need this intermediary. You need a priest. And the priest, this very learned person, but, he, but he's also more because we have these holy, magically priesthoody things that we do. And because of those things and the tradition of the church, he's the one that's going to interpret Scripture for you because it's, it's the church that actually has the authority than Scripture. And, of course, we know from the Protestant Reformation that the Reformers 
put that back in its right order and said it's actually Scripture that has authority and the church, the church submits to what God's Word is, not the other way around. And so the Reformers, they needed to, they needed to be able to, to articulate this, to say, no, 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 it's available to all of you. You didn't have to go to seminary. You don't have to, to know Greek and have to know Hebrew. Scripture and the formula for your salvation is accessible to every single person. Right? You don't need the priest to, to interpret Scripture for you. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have well-trained pastors. You should. And they should know the original languages. And they should be, we, we believe strongly here in the concept of the pastor theologian. Because it's important for, for the person who's leading you to have a deep understanding to ensure that, that God's message is being transmitted correctly. But that's different than understanding what it takes to be saved. If you have specific questions about Scripture, that's part of why I'm here, is to help answer those and chew through those and work through those and ensure that we're staying true to what God's Word says. But all of you have access to a Bible. I mean, we, we live in this time. It's so incredible. We live in a time of resources that anybody here, I mean, everybody here has got a phone, can get free access to a Bible, to, to, to an accurate translation of the Bible. There are so many good English translations of the Bible. We have access to more information than the history, in the history of ever, available at our fingertips right here in my pocket. It's, it's really, really incredible. So we should never lose sight that not only is the Bible easily to be understood by all, but it's also accessible. I mean, there's incredible organizations like Wycliffe Bible Translators that are going around the world, ensuring that, that accurate translations of Scripture exist in multitudes of languages. This is one of the reasons that I really believe in family worship, both... Uh, us as individuals, like within our families and our homes, and then when we come together and we do family-inclusive worship as a church. And um, part of this is because I think we can get into this mindset about kids. This is about being Scripture being easily understood. That we can say, well, we need to put them in the nursery until they're like old enough to understand. Or we need to dumb some of these stories down because they're just never going to understand. But this is God's Word. And there will be stuff they, they won't understand when they're little, but we, that's our job to then explain that to them. But why are we not saturating them? We are. I'm talking like the big we. No, we, we are. <laughs> that's why we do church the way we do church. Why are we not saturating kids with this from an early age, giving them literacy with this from an early age, letting them hear the Word of God preached from an early age? We're, we're, we're showing them like this is accessible to everybody. You don't have to go sit off in the basement room until you're big enough, and then when you're really big enough, then you'll be able to understand God's Word. That, that's not the case. Do you think Jesus was like, okay, everybody under 13, you guys go downstairs to the bottom from children's church, and then you can come back hang up with the adults later. But, but I think it's a shame, because we're, we're almost teaching our kids without thinking about it, like, well, this is just a little bit too hard for you. And then this mindset of, well, Scripture's just too complicated. We have someone in our life says, well, no one can ever read Scripture in their whole lifetime. Well, no, you can, actually. You can read the whole thing. I mean, if you, if you just sit down, you could probably read it pretty quick. But there are plenty of Bible. I read a, a full Old Testament, New Testament, a school year, a Bible reading plan. That one's on the church website, too, if you're interested. It's a really good plan. We do a summer one as well. So we have it accessible in our language. 
And God has, has made it so that the formula for what we need to come to faith is accessible to everybody. That should help us remove some of the intimidating things, that, uh, the, the, maybe some of the intimidating feelings people may get about, like, I don't even know where to start. I don't think I can really read this. How am I even going to understand this? Nobody can read the Bible in a lifetime. It is a big book. There's lots of old names and places that you may have never heard of. There's probably names that if you have to pronounce them in front of a congregation of people on a Sunday morning are hard to pronounce when people are looking back at you. <laughs> or maybe you've even, you've, you've, been, you've been in an environment where um, people have told you you shouldn't read it or there's no way you, you could understand it. You see, none of that is true. What was it? I said a few weeks ago that, that Scripture is this love letter that God writes to us, but it's accessible to everybody. And some parts of the love letter are hard because when we love people, we have to tell them the truth. But, but he, wrote it, he wrote it for all of us so that we could... <laughs> I love it. He loves her so much. It's like the first thing he says when he walks in the door. It's adorable. Grace. They have an interesting love-hate relationship when it comes to food. though. Um, but he, he's provided us this incredible love letter, and so we should want to spend time in it. And there are so many ways we can, we can rationalize, well, I can't, or I don't have time, or it's too hard, or I don't know where to start. But we should come back to what, to what these reformers said when they drafted the Westminster Confession of Faith and said it, it's accessible to everybody. The, the, the basic foundation for your, faith, for your faith in Christ, which is just having faith in Christ, that is the formula for your salvation, is clearly represented that everybody can understand it, including children. It's accessible to everybody. So this is where my encouragement is. I, mean, I really, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising that I'm telling you this, but I want you all to read your Bibles every day. Even if it's one verse, like read it with your eyes. It's great to listen to it too. You should listen to it. Sophia's got a really good Bible listening plan that she listens to. Um, are you using Dwell still? Just the Bible app. Dwell makes a really nice app, and you can change the voices and has a bunch of different translations. The Bible app's got the same kind of thing. That's a great way in the car or, or when you're getting ready in the morning to listen to it, but there's something about reading it. If you don't know where to start, start in the book of John. Or if there's a book that you really like, <laughs> the dog's just so happy. He's like, I'm not really sure why the tiny human yells at me a lot, but soon the tiny human will drop bread and snacks. <laughs> I'm not sure who's more excited to see the dog, or, or who's more excited, the dog or the kids, right, like every Saturday night. Um, but, but start reading because there's something about reading it. If you have a favorite book of the Bible, just start there. If you want a Bible reading plan, one of the guys in the men's ministry is like, hey, can you send me? I don't really know like, where to start. I've only ever listened to people preach. Like, where do I start? God wrote this for you, not just for pastors. He didn't write this for priests to tell you what's in it. He wrote a story for you. If you don't know where to start, ask me and I'll give you some suggestions. But, but just spend a teeny bit of time in there, even if it's one minute a day. Because what will happen is, as, as God continues to reveal more of himself through his written word, through the Holy Spirit, your desire will be to read it more. And then the next thing you know, you'll be like, no, no, wait, you'll have people who go, oh, I got I to, yeah, that, that's Romans 12 too. That, that's that idea it, in, in the Old Testament, God tells us, where does God tell us to, to write the words? Between our eyes and on our hearts, which... That's why Jews wear to fill in in the morning when they're praying, because they take that commandment as a physical law. They put a box, 
with those words that say to wear a box, to, to keep those words between your eyes on here. They put a box, they strap on their arm next to their heart, leather boxes with scrolls inside them. But th there's, there's a deeper meaning. Verse to commandment. Verse, commandment. That's right. And the Shema. From the right, from the Torah. Yeah. Well, it's the same deal. The, the, the mezuzah on the doorpost, the scroll that would be on a doorpost in a Jewish home, has the Torah text that says, write this on your doorpost. So it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like stapling a copy of the FAR to something with it when you take it with you. But, but it's bigger than just putting boxes between our eyes and on our arms. The idea of carrying, carrying it with us and, and, and having it written upon our hearts and between our eyes is that it's part of our vocabulary. It's part of the way we speak. So, so even if we're not saying, oh, that's Romans 8.31 or that's Acts whatever, you know, 25.2, we're still speaking in that same manner because God's Word has worked so deeply in us that changes our vocabulary. When we think about words like freedom or words like liberty or words like forgiveness or repentance or accountability, all of these things, wealth, all of these things tie back to concepts of vanity, idolatry, tie back to things that we have in Scripture. But we can only do that if we read it. So don't be intimidated, if you ever have been. Remember that God's Word was written to be accessible for you. And then there are learned people around. We're really fortunate. We have... Um, scholarly folks within our midst that can help answer questions and, and can help dive into, and you should ask the hard questions. I think I've said this many times here, and I'll wrap up with this, is that if you ever end up in a place where somebody tells you not to question it, that's a cult. Like, that's bad news. If people aren't willing to accept the questions that you have and the challenges that you have and the things that you may feel uncomfortable with, if, if you don't read through Scripture and find things that make you uncomfortable, you should probably read through Scripture again. There are, there are all kinds of parts of Scripture that can make us feel uncomfortable. That doesn't make them any less true. We actually get significant growth when we start to wrestle with those things. The concept of predestination is a theological concept that I wrestled with for a long time, and God made, I think God, through the Holy Spirit, made clear. But there are all these things that we may not love, we may not like, that still happen to be true. And so this is a good place for us to wrestle with those as well. And so bring those questions. And it's beautiful. The Bible is the most beautiful book that's ever been written. It has poetry, it has allegory, it has narrative, it has history. It's got, it's got, dude. It's got some serious romance. There's some sexy parts of the Bible. It has it all. It has it all. Right. And, and I think that that's what's really beautiful about the Holy Spirit is you can read stuff that you've read a thousand times before and you can read it a thousand first time and you're like, I never, I never, I never saw that. Has that been that word? It's there the whole time. What other book can you read as many times over and over again as scripture? Nothing. I read a lot of books and that's the only one. Brandon, you figured it out. You figured it out. I'm not as, like, I don't have as much. I give in too fast. I give in too fast with the toys with the dog and, like, the licking my face at 3 in the morning with the dog. You just can't give in. All right, let's, let's sing, and then we'll pray, and then we'll eat. And, yeah, my encouragement is just, 
start reading. It's use this time in Eastertide to see, see the beauty and the joy in God's written word and, and then impress it upon your hearts. Carry it with you everywhere you go. It is, it is, it is the only constant thing. God is the only for sure constant in all of our lives. Thank God. Do you know, do you know how disastrous it would be without that? So thank God he has, he has chosen in his love to reveal himself to us through his scripture, and he did it in a way that we can, we can all understand it. And to that, I think we should gloriously say amen. Amen.